take our lives and let them be consecrated totally to you. And on this day, Lord, we ask that you would teach us from your word what it means to live in financial freedom under your grace. For Jesus' sake, amen. Grace to you and peace from our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in our sermon series on new beginnings, looking at different ways God can make a new beginning in various areas of our living. And today we're taking a look at financial freedom. I like the story I heard about a woman who was walking in a public park, and at one point, a little frog came hopping up to her. And the frog looked up at her and said, If you kiss me, I'll turn into a bank president. She looked at the frog for a moment, then reached down, picked up the frog and put it in her pocket and then kept on walking. Another person who had seen and heard all of this asked her, Lady, I'm, I'm curious, why didn't you kiss the frog? She answered, Well, in today's market, a talking frog is worth a whole lot more than a bank president. Now that I've been insulted all the bank presidents here, let me just say we're going to talk today about finances, financial freedom specifically. What is your strategy for achieving financial freedom? You know, before we really address that issue in depth, we need to recognize that out in the world there are different definitions of financial freedom. And some of those definitions and, and uh, approaches are rather worldly motivational based, based on things like greed and self-gratification, materialism. And you know, just having more money isn't really the whole answer. Maybe you've heard some of these stories about people who win the lottery jackpot and their lives go downhill very often. One particular story was about a man named William Post III who really proved the adage true, more money, more problems. After Mr. Post won $16.2 million in the Pennsylvania lottery in 1988, he fell victim to crime, bankruptcy, tragedy, and simply poor spending habits. In the two weeks after he received his first annual payment of nearly $500,000, he had already blown two-thirds of it, purchasing a restaurant, a used car lot, and an airplane. His reckless spending then continued. Within three months, he was a half million dollars in debt. But numbers were the least of his problems. According to Yahoo News, Post's brother was arrested for hiring a hitman to try to kill him and his sixth, yes, sixth wife. His relatives convinced him to invest in worth, worthless business ventures, and his landlady duped him into handing over a third of his cash. He ultimately filed for bankruptcy and faced a stint in jail for firing a gun at a bill collector. In 1993, Mr. Post said this, Everybody dreams of winning money, 
but nobody realizes the nightmares that come out of the woodwork or the problems. I was really much happier when I was broke. Mr. Post died of respiratory failure in 2006 at the age of 66, leaving behind his seventh wife and nine children from his second marriage. Simply having more money doesn't necessarily provide the whole answer. And sometimes what we think will give us freedom actually leaves us feeling more imprisoned. And if we think about it, from a biblical point of view, right motivations are important on this topic of finances. And a heart that seeks to honor God is essential. So again, I ask you, what is your plan for achieving financial freedom? You know, for the Christian, financial freedom really begins with establishing the right priority. True financial freedom happens when you serve God and not money. Let me say that again. True financial freedom happens when you serve God, not money. Notice the priority here. Jesus himself said in our gospel lesson today, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's really the starting point isn't it? Seeking his kingdom, his kingship, his rule over our lives. Seeking his righteousness, his gift of forgiveness and grace. That far supersedes any other gift we could seek. It means, friends, that we need to take time daily to consider what God has done for us out of his amazing grace and love. Consider what Jesus did at that cross so many years ago. He took on himself all of those sins of ours, including things like greed and self-centeredness and idolatry whenever we put anything else ahead of God. He took all of that to the cross and died in your place and mine. Why? Because he so much wants us to be with him. He would give his life for that purpose. He paid the penalty for our sins and wipes them all away and gives us real freedom. The freedom in knowing that we are forgiven and, and that we have eternal life awaiting us through faith in him. And it also gives us a freedom to live this life a brand new way. To experience a brand new beginning in how we carry out our daily living. It's a life that honors God and a life that puts him First, and that includes how we handle our finances. Today we're going to take a look at seven basic steps to financial freedom. There is a place in your, in your bulletin to jot down notes if you want to. Uh, we'll go through these rather quickly since we don't have uh, hours and hours to spend on this rather huge topic. But I want to over, overview seven basic steps to financial freedom based on God's word. And this is the first one, what we have just were talking about. Put God first. Put God first. Now, what does that look like, practically speaking? It, among other things, it means transferring ownership of all of our stuff to God. Transferring ownership to God. That really happens in our mind and in our heart. It's, it's a shift of how we think. 
from an understanding that everything I have is mine because I earned it and it's mine and mine alone to thinking, no, everything that I have is actually God's. He's the owner. We acknowledge that everything belongs to our creator and the giver of all things. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Clearly from scriptures, God is the owner of everything. We are merely what the Bible calls stewards or managers of all of God's possessions. And so putting God first is number one. And putting God first includes returning to God a portion of our blessing. In fact, it's not just a portion, it's the first portion of our blessings. Now let me just say, today is not a designated stewardship Sunday, okay? We're not asking you today to, to sign a pledge card or anything like that. But I would challenge us all to see that every single day is a stewardship day. Every day is a day that we are called by God to manage well the things that he has entrusted to us. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats, and brim over, uh, and your vats will brim over with new wine. We're to honor the Lord with the best, the first of our blessings, to give him the best and to see just what he will do if we honor him that way. That Old Testament reading for today from Malachi is really rather challenging, isn't it? The prophet says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then look what the Lord says. Test me in this. Are we willing to test the Lord on this? He invites us to. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Do we really believe that? Do we really trust that if we give God the first and best of our blessings, that he will bless us more than we can imagine? St. Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians, on every Lord's Day, Sunday, you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. You see, friends, financial freedom is a matter of the mind and the heart leading to right actions. And step one in this whole thing is put God first. Step two is to be content then with God's provisions. Be content with God's provisions. In today's epistle lesson, St. Paul writes about contentment to Timothy. He said, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Notice, money is really not the problem. Money in itself is a blessing from God, but it's the love of money, the lust after money that gets us into trouble. The writer to the Hebrews, chapter 13, says, 
Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. We can be content because God, the provider, is always with us. And then to the Philippians, St. Paul wrote, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And what is the secret to contentment? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We can be content before God gives us everything we need. So put God first. Be content with God's provision. Step number three is this. Work diligently as unto the Lord. There are numerous Bible passages, more than we have time to go through today, that speak of the value of hard work and the exhortation to earn an honest wage. Proverbs 28, verse 19. He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. God wants us to put in honest work to earn an honest wage. And in the New Testament, St. Paul, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, underscores a, a similar thought. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. Work is a godly thing, an opportunity to provide, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. And in Ephesians 6, Paul says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. That gives us a whole new perspective on our work, that we approach whatever work we have not as merely serving people, but of ultimately of serving God and benefiting society as a result. So we are to work diligently as unto the Lord. Step four in the plan for financial freedom is this. Plan your spending. Plan your spending. Yes, this is talking about budgeting. Not necessarily a fun topic, but an important topic. Planning your spending is really about deciding where your money will go rather than wondering where it went. Deciding in advance where it's going to go rather than wondering later where did it go. You know, Solomon was one of the wisest men in the world in Old Testament times. God gave him the gift of wisdom and he wrote a great deal about money. He was a rich man himself, abundantly blessed by God. And in Proverbs 27, he said this, Be sure you know, you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Now, of course, he's writing to an agricultural society. If we were to put that into terms today, first of all, know your assets. Know what you own. Know what you owe in terms of liabilities. 
know what it is you earn, and then know where your money is going to go. It's all about being intentional, planning all of this out. You see, without a plan, without a spending plan, our spending can really get out of control very easily. In a cemetery in England, there stands a grave marker with this inscription. She died for want of things. And alongside that marker is another which reads, he died trying to give them to her. It's real. Indeed, without a plan, spending can get out of control. And we need to recognize, friends, let's, let's be honest, advertising executive, executives spend millions and millions of dollars every year trying to devise ways to get your attention and get you to spend your money on their products. Now, spending in itself is not evil. But when it's done without a plan, it can get way out of control. And we need to resist temptations to make hasty financial decisions. Having a spending plan helps us do that. And it's best if it's written down. If it's written down, then you have a tool that you can use to be in control of the blessings God has given you. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So plan your spending intentionally. Step number five to financial freedom is this. Very simply, get out of debt. Get out of debt. Proverbs 22.7 I think is so significant, which says the borrower is a slave to the lender. <laughs> How true it is. Especially if you happen to miss a payment, as I've done a few times, and then they increase the interest rate and you just get deeper and deeper enslaved to the lender. How true. And therefore, we need to take intentional steps to get out of debt. And that starts with breaking some of the habits that keep us in debt. Habits like spending more than we earn borrowing instead of uh, saving up for a purchase in the future. And of course, those dangerous, pesky, ever-present pieces of plastic. You know what I mean, don't you? One particular man called the police and reported that all of his wife's credit cards had been stolen. But then he quickly added, but don't look too hard for the thief. He's charging up less than my wife ever did. <laughs> Not a good thing. Not a good thing. We need to get out of debt. And by the way, of course, there are resources available to help us in this area. One of them, of course, is Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University that we have hosted here before. Just gives it insights on how to get debt-free and live in the joy and freedom of life that way. Step number six for financial freedom is this. Save. Save. Be intentional about saving for the future. You know, very sadly, it's a, it's a rather small percentage of Americans who follow a clear plan to save. 
to save for emergencies or to save ultimately for retirement and, and you know, life beyond work. But Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has, indicating we are to save for the future. Proverbs 13.11, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Doesn't that remind you of the power of compounding interest? investing and saving for the future. We need to be intentional about that. Now, maybe we, some folks need some help with that, and, and there's nothing wrong with seeking the assistance of a professional, a certified financial planner. Probably be best to find one who operates out of biblical principles who can guide you in planning for your future. Saving is so important. Lastly, the seventh step for financial freedom is to live generously. Now that one sounds different and difficult for the world to follow, but for us who, who know the Lord Jesus Christ and know of His grace and mercy and His generosity toward us can resonate very well with this last principle, to live generously. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You see, financial freedom isn't about getting as much money as possible for ourselves, for our own pleasure. Really, financial freedom is about living in the joyous freedom of being able to honor God in everything that we do and being able to bless others with the resources that have been entrusted to us. The world's ways leave us shackled and chained up, locked in a prison of greed and worrying about our money and engaging in strife with those who try to take it from us. But I truly believe God does not want us to be shackled by anything including our finances. And thanks be to God at the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ has set us free from all the shackles that this world wants to put upon us. So let me ask you, is it time for a new beginning? Is it time for financial freedom? May God grant it. For Jesus' sake, amen. Let's sing the last three stanzas of the hymn of the day.
registry 